0: age-old controversy? A lawyer reads the FaceApp Terms of Use. Hello and welcome to Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing partner of the Hogue Law business law firm of Northville, Michigan. And by popular demand, Virtual Legality is today once again diving into the exciting world of terms and conditions, this time based around a very popular viral set of images that are floating around social media and Twitter, and Facebook, and everywhere else that come from an app called the Face App. If you followed anybody on Twitter or on social media, you have probably seen photos of people looking older, and that is because of this particular app. I pulled up an article from Pocket Lint, which talks about it and how it works a little bit. It says, what is Face App's AI aging filter, and how do you use it? There's a good chance that if you're active on social media, on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, you'll have come across photos of your friends looking a lot older. This is due to an app with an impressive AI facial recognition tool that processes images of faces and then generates realistic older versions of those faces, often including gray hair, in impressive detail. FaceApp is a free app available on both the iOS App Store and the Google Play Store. That means if you have an Android phone or an iPhone, you can use it. It's not a new app. It's been around for a little while now, but is primarily built as an app to make your selfies better. It has a host of features designed to add design touches to your photos. And you can see here an example of the photo. If you've been on social media at all, you've seen a bunch of these uh, and people doing them with movie stars and video game characters and everything else. Uh, But basically, it's a free app you can download, you can insert a picture into the app, and it uses its artificial intelligence to make some changes to the photo in a very particular way that really does create images that are startlingly realistic-looking of a person that you know that just looks older now, or I think it has some other filters as well. And because it is so realistic-looking, because it is so popular and interesting to see people looking older all of a sudden... It really has become very, very popular, Uh, and it's been popular among famous people. It's been popular among your friends and your family. and It's been popular among government officials and people that are on the Today Show and Good Morning America, but one of the things that has come up in the last 48, 72 hours are the terms and conditions that relate to this app and whether or not they are a problem. I pulled up just a quick search of the last 24 hours of Google News items about Face app terms and conditions and you see here Vox saying the Face app privacy controversy is valid but overblown. What controversy you might ask? Face app says it won't hold on to your face photos. Should you trust it? Is Face app safe to use? Face app privacy concerns explained. Local tech expert weighs in on Face app privacy concerns, etc., etc., etc. And to be honest, I looked at this uh, for a couple moments yesterday because it did appear in my Twitter timeline as as well as some other folks that I follow. And I looked at some of the terms that were being complained about and that were argued about. And I said, well, there's not a ton there that's necessarily too off and too exciting, with the exception of a specific paragraph that we're definitely going to cover in this episode of virtual legality. But as the day went on, a lot more people started commenting on it, started reflecting on it from a kind of legal perspective, Uh, what I think one of my friends on Twitter called Twitter armchair lawyering. And I finally wound up saying, okay, if there are going to be a continuing number of ridiculous readings of these terms and conditions for the FaceApp app, I'm going to have to do a virtual legality video on it. And one of the people that really brought this to my attention and that I wound up following because I think she did a really good job of kind of explaining some of the stuff that goes into these terms and conditions, you can see on my screen here is Mona Ibrahim, uh, Mona at loves the IE Law Group here as a Twitter follow, and uh, she does on Twitter a few of the things that I do in virtual legality, breaking down complex legal language to talk about on a kind of more simplistic basis, what you should be frightened about, what you shouldn't be frightened about, uh, which is exactly what this video is going to do. She has a nice set of Twitter threads, a nice set of posts talking a little bit about these apps. Uh, And I also, you can see on this screen, Mark Whipple, who is at uh, Legal Inspire, uh, who I also follow. We have a lot of fun legal conversations on Twitter from time to time. So if you find yourself watching or listening to Virtual Legality, you might find yourself interested in following these two folks. I think they're good follows. They talk about legal issues and other fun stuff. Uh, Mark tends to like a lot of my Star Wars posts. uh, And so there is a lot of fun to be had on Twitter. You can see my interactions as well. Basically, we each have our own thoughts on these terms and conditions. And much like a, a doctor or anybody else you might look at for professional services, an accountant, someone to a mechanic to look at your car good meaning, well-thought lawyers can have slightly different impressions as to what's happening in the language. And so we have these good discussions on Twitter. And that's really the impetus behind doing this video is we had these good discussions. And I looked at it and I said, well, there's a lot of people freaking out about this. This morning, I woke up to somebody tweeting me a Washington Post article that said, here are the five things you need to worry about on the Face app, app terms and conditions. And there was a New York Times article about the Democrats uh, being asked by their party leadership to remove the face app from their phones because of what has been shown in these terms and conditions. So I think it is worthwhile to discuss. I think it is not as egregious as some of the stuff that we've discussed in virtual legality in the past, including, but not limited to, Facebook allowing death threats for a few moments there, which we talked about last week and other terms and conditions in the Google YouTube terms and the Facebook terms and things of that nature. I will say before we get into it, this is going to be a slightly technical discussion. I'm going to break it down as much as possible as I do in virtual legality, but there are going to be points in time where you're going to see a sentence that goes for six, seven lines, and we're going to try to break it down and it's going to be complicated. Uh, That being said, we're going to do our best. And to start out with, I think it's important to kind of go back to fundamentals, go back to first principles, and talk about what a copyright is, because that's what ultimately we're going to be talking about: are users' copyrights in their own photos? Uh, and when you take a photo of yourself, you have a bunch of different lights that uh, a bunch of different rights that attach to that, including a likeness right. But you basically have a right to prevent other people from doing certain things to your photo, and we call that a copyright. So let's take a look at 17 U.S.C. 106, which is the exclusive rights in copyrighted works. If you follow virtual legality, you know that we've talked about this particular set of statutory language before. This is what a lot of intellectual property lawyers and intellectual property facing folks call the bundle of rights that attaches to a copyright. So you see here there's six when you have a copyright. And again, think of this as you took a photo of yourself. There's a photo that exists. You own that. You have the copyright to that photo you have the right to reproduce that copyrighted work. You can make copies of it. Makes sense, right? It's a copyright. You have the right to prepare derivative works based on that copyrighted work. And a derivative work has a very complicated definition. We're not going to spend an entire semester's worth of time talking about derivative works and various case law that bases it around it. But what it is, is basically anything that you can take from that image and you can make it based off of that image. So if you imagine you've got a photo of yourself and somebody were to make a drawing based on that photo, that drawing is a derivative work of the photo. And as the owner of the photo, you have the rights to that derivative work. You have the rights to prepare it. And if that person that you didn't know was making a drawing based off of that photo, you might have a claim against them that they made a derivative work that they shouldn't have been allowed to do because these are your exclusive rights under 17106, section two. You are exclusively entitled to prepare derivative works off of your photo. And if they don't have a license from you, they can't do that. The third right, you have the right to distribute copies. You have the right to publish it and make copies and make sure that the copies that you make are known to other people. Uh number 4. In the case of literary, musical, dramatic and choreographic works, we're not worried about those. Pantomimes and motion pictures, not worried about those, and other audiovisual works. There it is. To perform the copyrighted work publicly. Generally speaking, if it wasn't a photo for the most part and it was a gif or it was something else that moved or had sound, you have the right to perform that. You have the right to make that known publicly. It's very similar to distribution when we're talking about copies. Section 5 in the case of the same kind of class of things, but for the photo version, individual images of a motion picture or other audiovisual work to display the copyrighted work publicly, to put them up in a museum, to put them on your walls. That's another right you have of your own photo. And if somebody else does that with your photo, you might have a copyright claim against them. And in the case of sound recordings, we're not so worried, but also you have the right to perform that copyrighted work publicly, very similar to literary, musical, dramatic, and choreographic works. So in other words, in the photo that you made of yourself, all of these things attach automatically. You have these copyrights to this thing that you created. And if you don't allow someone else uh, to get a license to these things, they can't do these things for you without violating the Copyright Act. And that's one of the main areas that I've seen of people kind of misinterpreting what's happening in the Facebook app license terms and conditions is that there's a big long list of licenses that face. Face app, sorry, not Facebook app, claims to the rights to use your photo. And to a large extent, those are necessary to do what it does. We're talking about a photo that you submit to a service. That service makes that photo look older. And if you're following along, you know that that's a derivative work. When you talk about that second photo, that photo of an older looking you, that's a derivative of the original photo. And so you're the only one that has the right to do that unless you license that right to another person. And that's what's happening in the face app terms and conditions. Before we get there, there's one other thing I want to add to the kind of legal basket of knowledge here. And that's this notion that like so many of the other terms and conditions that we've talked about in virtual legality, this really is a contract of adhesion. And what I mean by that, and I've pulled up Black's Law Dictionary's definition, is that it's a contract form offered to consumers of goods and services on essentially a take it or leave it basis. No one is downloading the Face app and then saying, mm, all right, I'm gonna redline these terms and conditions. I'm gonna negotiate these terms. I don't like this indemnification provision. Let's see if we can change the arbitration language a little bit and sending it back to Face app. They just laugh at it. And so you essentially have the right to use Face app so long as you agree to the language they put in their terms and conditions entirely. That's the same way we use almost every other technological application in our lives. But it does mean that we don't have a lot of say in the negotiation. And really, the, the study of law has been focused a lot in terms of contracts about what power contracts of adhesion should have, what they shouldn't have, what kind of disclosure companies should have to make because these things are getting so long. And I think I talked about it on an earlier episode of Virtual Legality, uh, but I purchased a video game, uh, Crash Team Racing, earlier this month. Uh, And it had at its start, before you can play this Bandicoot kart racing game, I believe it was 34 pages of terms and conditions which Activision had seen fit to require you to page through uh, and to get to the end so that you could accept it so that you could play this Bandicoot kart simulator. And that's really what we're living with in 2019, our contracts of adhesion that we enter into knowingly and unknowingly almost every day of our lives. And that's what this is from the Face app is a contract that you didn't have choices on that you thought hey it would be cool if i looked older and you probably didn't read all of these terms and conditions so we're looking at a society we're looking at a situation in which once it hits the washington post once it hits the new york times the la times your twitter feed your facebook feed whatever that there's something dastardly or a landmine in the terms and conditions here you're looking at it for the first time and you see all this language and you say wow that does look like it's potentially problematic and you get all these reactions on twitter I'm here to tell you there are things to complain about in these terms and conditions, and they are definitely written too broadly, and there are things that you should be aware of. There are also things that people are complaining about on Twitter, online, that are not necessarily things that you need to be frightened of, that are perfectly normal for how one of these types of licenses should look. And so it's really kind of a balancing test between whether or not you like what they're providing more than the potential risk that you suffer at their terms, or whether you just want to wash your hands of the whole thing and not use the the app at all. Certainly a lot of people are being told not to use it because of all this dangerous stuff. And personally, I wouldn't use it because I am pretty sensitive to these kinds of things, to having facial uh, imagery out there and potentially in the hands of third parties. Uh, I don't love it. Obviously I'm on Twitter and I'm using all of these services like YouTube and Facebook that also have potentially problematic privacy policies, potentially problematic data use policies. Uh, But you all have to kind of decide on your own what's gonna work for you and what's not. Now, without further ado, let's finally take a look at the actual terms of use for the Face App. And this says they've been updated as of August 2017. So just in case you thought, ooh, Face App changed their terms and conditions this last month to try to grab our data or grab our facial characteristics and do something dastardly with them. If they were, they started doing it in August of 2017 and not yesterday or earlier this week. These terms of use capital T terms, so when we see the word terms, we're talking about this whole document, apply to your access and use of this website or the applications and other online products and services, capital S services provided by FaceApp. So we're really talking about the FaceApp services. When FaceApp does something to your photo, it's a service with a capital S. They then refer to themselves as either either FaceApp or we. And then they say by accessing the FaceApp website or by downloading FaceApp's mobile application, you agree to these terms. If you do not agree to these terms, including the mandatory arbitration provision and class action waiver in section 15, do not access or use our services. And you see that language there. They, they specifically call out that there's a mandatory arbitration provision and a class action waiver. Why do they do that? Because there's been some case law that says, because this is a contract of adhesion, because you know that not everybody's going to read all of these things, you have to highlight in some manner these specific important provisions. In this case, you can't litigate in a, law, in a court of law. You have to arbitrate it, and you can't form a class action. And that there are different laws around the world that will allow some of those uh, waivers and, and won't allow some others, but they have to highlight them in order to get past at least certain of the hurdles that they might otherwise face. They describe the services as follows. FaceApp is an application-based software that uses artificial intelligence algorithms to transform your photos or videos into works of art or change the background or foreground, overlay objects with different objects, and clone copy the style or effects from other image or video. The artificial intelligence algorithms use styles inspired by various famous artists. The application allows you to a take photos or videos using the application, that we know, or b upload pre-existing photos or videos onto the application. You can also create new filters or effects using the application or website. You can then apply different modified filters or effects to the photos and videos once you choose a filter or effect face app's algorithm runs and transforms the photo you can then share the photos through social media sites or store them for personal use you can also display and distribute filters or effects you have created using face apps application or website on the face app application so that all matches what we know of what face app does although we're going to see that there are bits of pieces of problematic language in their own license for what they describe it as here and when you're looking at something like description of services, there is a question about whether or not that's fully legally applicable. It's not describing rights. It's not really describing obligations. It's not, it's not describing assignments or licenses. It's just kind of setting up what we might otherwise term the recitals of an agreement that kind of describes what is happening so that everybody can understand it before you get into the nitty gritty. They've got eligibility that complies with COPA, so you can't have kids using it. They've got user accounts. They've got a privacy policy, which we're going to come back to which is set forth in a separate document, which has its own issues. And we're going to look at it a little bit, but that privacy policy is set out in a different section here in section five user content is where I personally have seen all of the Twitter drama, all of the social media folks highlighting various sections and saying, this is my favorite part, or this is the real problem, et cetera, et cetera. So let's break it down. Our services may allow you and other users to create, post, store, and share content, including messages, text, photos, videos, software, and other materials. We call that capital U and capital C user content. So when we see the term user content, just in in the back of your own head, we're talking about the photos, the photos that you initially submit that are just you standing in front of a lake, not otherwise made older, not otherwise putting you in space, not changed at all by FaceApp. These are your photos as taken by the phone. User content does not include user-generated filters. Except for the license you grant below, you retain all rights in and to your user content as between you and FaceApp. Uh, okay, great. You retain the rights to your photo. That's good. They're not trying to claim it. But it's except as we otherwise state herein. Further, FaceApp does not claim ownership of any user content that you post on or through the services. Great. They don't own it. And that's a distinction that's kind of unique to intellectual property law versus potentially possession of of more personal property. But basically, you can own something and license its use to someone else. There can be two people with rights in something, but you're the owner and can otherwise change the license. You can license different things out, uh, different aspects of that bundle of rights we've described in copyright law. And that doesn't necessarily impact the other party that's just a licensee. And they maybe don't have the same rights to do the same things with what they hold in that property. The next sentence is where people get a little bit uh, twitchy. You grant FaceApp a perpetual, irrevocable, non exclusive, royalty free, worldwide, fully paid, transferable, sublicensable license. So you see, I've highlighted these in various different colors. Let's take a look at just that part first. So this is the license that you're granted, and these are a bunch of adjectives that describe that license. This is normal in an intellectual property context to describe what the license is. It's perpetual, can't be terminated, it's forever. It doesn't terminate necessarily on your end of the use of the service some people have a problem with that i don't blame them for having a problem with that and if we get to the, some of the articles later in this video you see some of the answers that FaceApp has given about how to delete content from their service it's very very clunky they are mostly going to have the right to use your photo as long as they want to it's irrevocable you can't otherwise terminate it you can't take it away you can't revoke it it's non-exclusive which means you haven't only given your right to use the Photo to Face app. You retain the right to give other rights to other people. That's good, that's entirely normal. It's royalty free, they don't owe you money for it. It's worldwide and fully paid. It's global, they still don't owe you money for it. And it's transferable and sublicensable, which means they can take your photo, they can transfer it to someone else. And they can sublicense that to someone else. So they can own your photo. They can own this right to your photo, the license that you've granted to them. And then they can sublicense all of these rights to someone else. And what are these rights actually to do? That's this yellow part here. They have the right to use, use your photo. Okay, they need to use it if you're submitting it and they need to apply a filter to it. To reproduce it, okay. Well, it's gonna be a reproduction when they send it back to you. To modify, adapt it, that's the same. They're making this derivative work to publish, translate, create derivative works from, okay, to distribute, publicly perform, and display. Okay, so they are getting all these rights, this perfect, this perpetual irrevocable license, to do these things that you would expect someone that is getting user content, a photo, to need to do what they're going to do with it, which is apply algorithms, pl- apply AI to make this photo an older looking person. Use, reproduce, modify, adapt, publish, translate, create derivative works from, distribute, publicly perform, And display and what does this all apply to your user content your photos and any name username or likeness provided in connection with your user content okay so it's not just your photo it's anything that you might have logged in to use with respect to your content they can also use that maybe to put it on the photo to otherwise put it in their logbooks okay we're getting a little bit further afield from what it is that they're actually doing and then we get to the green part which is probably the most problematic here in all media formats and channels now known or later developed without compensation to you. All right, we wouldn't expect compensation. We wouldn't expect when you submit a photo and you ask them to make you look older that they would have to pay you for the right to do that for you. This is a service you're getting for free. We wouldn't expect compensation on either side, so that's normal. But when we when you take all this language together, it's clearly broader than what it needs to be for what they're doing for you. They get this perpetual license to your photos to modify them, to create derivative works from, your photos, and your name in all media formats and channels now known or later developed without compensation to you. I look at this as a lawyer and say, all right, if we were negotiating a commercial agreement, I would change this green part. I would say, okay, this license mostly makes sense, but you should only get this license for the purpose of performing the services for me, capital S. You've already defined it. You get this license to the extent that you need it to do what it is that I asked you to do, not to put my photo in all media formats and channels now known or later developed without compensation to me. That looks pretty darn broad, and I think that that's what people are reacting to. I look at this, though, and I say, okay, this is written very broadly. It doesn't look to me like it's with nefarious intent. I mean, that's just... Kind of a typical lawyer writing a corporate terms and conditions knows that it's going to be a contract of adhesion, so writes it as big and as broad as possible. I don't view that necessarily as something that is designed to say, we are going to steal all your photos and send them across the seas and do something really bad with them. And I think one of the things people are reacting to is not even that green part. But all of this extra language that we see describing the license, which I can tell you is very, very normal for apps like these. I just pulled up as an example the Instagram terms and conditions. These are terms and conditions that we've talked about in virtual legality that are written to be plain English, that are written to be simple English. Those have their own problems because they introduce ambiguities that allow additional power to the companies that use this kind of simple English type language. But you can see in the language that I've highlighted here, what kind of license you're granting to Instagram in order to allow Instagram to do what it does. And it says, you hereby grant to us a non-exclusive, royalty-free, transferable, sublicensable, worldwide license to host, use, distribute, modify, run, copy, publicly perform, or display, translate, and create derivative works of your content. Now they have a parenthetical consistent with your privacy and application settings, but that's the basic line license that Instagram has you agree to, to use their services is one that is very, very similar to. A perpetual, irrevocable, non-exclusive, royalty-free, worldwide, fully paid, transferable, sublicensable license to use, reproduce, modify, adapt, publish, translate, create derivative, works from, distribute, publicly perform, and display your user content. So when people react so negatively to this license language, I step back and I say, okay, well, primarily that's a function of you not generally reading legal contracts because this is basically what you have agreed to. In every contract, every set of terms and conditions that you have ever entered into in respect of anything that uses user content, that has you post things to a forum, that has you post things to Instagram or to any other app or service that you might use. Where it gets problematic is potentially the fact that it doesn't narrow itself to only providing the services to you that it should be. And that is admittedly something that I step back on and say, oh, all right, that's not great. Uh, And if you're using FaceApp, you should probably know about it, that they've reserved the right to use your photo in any and all media formats and channels now known or later developed. But that in and of itself wouldn't be a problem if the next sentence of this provision said, hey, we're only going to worry about uh, performing services for you. We're not going to use it for anything else anyway. But that's not what it says. And this is actually where I think the really large problem with Section 5 and the FaceApp terms of use actually are. Let's read that. You grant FaceApp consent to use the user content regardless of whether it includes an individual's name, likeness, voice, or persona sufficient to indicate the individual's identity. So that's a sentence that's talking about privacy. And there's a lot of laws out there in the land, whether it's the United States or globally, that talk about personally identifiable information and how careful you have to be with it and whether or not you can disclose it in this manner. I look at this and say, well that sentence alone may or may not be violative of a number of statutes in a number of jurisdictions but basically this says when you submit a photo they are allowed to use it regardless of whether it can identify you specifically whether it you have a hat on that has your name or perhaps your law firm's name if you happen to own a law firm so that's a problem in and of itself continuing on is the real issue though by using the services by downloading the face app and using a photo in its service You agree that the user content may be used for commercial purposes, commercial purposes. No other definition, not a capital C, not a capital P, nothing that might limit this solely to uh, giving you advertising or servicing you in a way that Facebook and Instagram or Google or Twitter do. This just says, hey, if you ever use FaceApp, you allow us because you've given us this license in all media formats and channels to use your photos for any reason we want. Any commercial purpose. We can collect all these photos and we can sell all these likenesses to Ubisoft or Activision to have them pasted on three dimensional characters for use in their video games. We can take all these photos, we can make a stock photo company and we can start selling them like Getty Images or someone else. Photos that you didn't expect us to be able to do that for. And we can just do that because by using the services, you agree that the user content may be used for commercial purposes. You further acknowledge that FaceApp's use of the user content for these commercial purposes will not result in any injury to you or to any person you authorize to act on its behalf. In other words, you can't sue us for damages. You are stating right here expressly by using the FaceApp terms, by using the FaceApp application, that we can use your photo to do something else with it, and you're not damaged by it. You didn't lose anything if we do that. So if you're a celebrity, if you're Scarlett Johansson and you put your photo in FaceApp to make yourself look older, they can take that photo of you, they can put it on a billboard to advertise themselves, sure, or they can sell it uh, on a billboard to advertise the local gentleman's club. They can do all manner of things once they have right to your photos, and that's where I really see the problem here. That's where I really see the issue. A lot of people highlighted the license language. That's almost entirely normal, except that it's written a little bit too broadly. It's the commercial use, the commercial purposes section here where people should really be freaking out. And so the next time you see this issue raised on Twitter or you read it in the Washington Post or the New York Times or wherever, tell people not to focus on that second paragraph in section five, but to change their focus to the third paragraph in section five. And it does get a little bit worse from there. You acknowledge that some of the services are supported by advertising revenue and may display advertising and promotions. And you hereby agree that FaceApp may place such advertising or promotions on the services or on, about, or in conjunction with your user content. Okay. I think that's fine. I think that's what people would expect. Hey, I'm getting this free application. It's doing something cool for me. I expect to be served ads. I think that's basically what a normal person uh, in 2019 expects from a free application on their phone. The manner, mode, and extent of such advertising and promotions are subject to change without specific notice to you. Again, fine. Here's the kicker. You acknowledge that we may not always identify paid services, sponsored content, or commercial communications as such. What? Rick, you might say, haven't you done a series of virtual legality episodes about the Federal Trade Commission saying you're not allowed to essentially hide the ball on whether or not something's an ad or whether or not something's sponsored? And I would say, yes, as a matter of fact, I have done a number of Uh, virtual legality episodes about that specific point. And this provision is arguably a complete FTC violation in the United States, at least. So it'll be interesting to see if, as people use the Face app a little bit more, there are actually ads that are served up without stating that they're sponsored, without stating that they're ads. Uh, I don't know exactly how the interface of the Face app uh, works or looks or where these ads might be served. But if you can imagine, if you're using Twitter or something, Uh, that just has posts come up that don't say that they're promoted, that don't say that they're sponsored and look like they're just from somebody that you forgot you followed, that would be a problem with the FTC. So I suspect the fact that you're expressly acknowledging it, that you're somehow waiving the right to get honest and transparent communication from advertising probably doesn't hold muster with the Federal Trade Commission. And this entire paragraph is really the evidence that people should be using to say, well, I don't know, FaceApp, this starts to look pretty shady. It's not the license. The license looks normal-ish, if broad. This commercial purposes and the fact that you want to sell me advertising without telling me it's advertising, that's where I start to say, uh, all right. They also say user content can be removed from the services uh, but may continue to be stored by FaceApp including without limitation in order to comply with certain legal obligations. Now, if you've been following virtual legality, here's another one of our favorite legal tricks is that including without limitation. And we know by now that including doesn't mean that it's only this thing that's listed. It in fact means the exact opposite. It means the entire universe of things and also this thing that we want to point you at so that you don't really think about what the implications of this sentence are. So if we take that including out, it says user content removed from the services may continue to be stored by FaceApp. That's just it. That's the provision. Including without limitation doesn't really change anything. It just says, hey, yeah, we might need to comply with legal obligations, but otherwise they say that they can store it forever. And you've granted them a perpetual license to it. So that photo stock company that they want to create, those billboards that they want to sell with Scarlett Johansson's face, that imagery that they want to sell to a video game company or a Marvel Studios to make 3D images of people that can be killed by Thanos or whatever, those are all things that they can do with the photos that you've given to them. Now, Maybe that's part of their plan, maybe that's not. Maybe they want to monetize themselves solely with advertising. Maybe they have a more nefarious end. I couldn't say, but when we get to the point where they have their own comments on what they are and aren't doing with your photos, it's important to remember what the actual legal landscape is. The legal landscape is this. You give them a perpetual license. They have the photo, they can use it for any commercial purpose that they want. They can sell you advertising and not tell you that it's advertising. And if you try to delete the stuff from their service, they don't have to delete it. They can continue to store it regardless of what the rest of the sentence says. And that's the state of affairs with FaceApp, and that's why it really is a large problem. It's not the license itself, it's the fact that they've reserved this commercial purpose and they've said they don't have to delete your user content even after you've stopped using the service, which is the big problem. We go a little bit further. We see in Section 6, the kind of standard prohibited content. Uh, and conduct, which is the the kind of standard stuff. You can't put uh, extraordinary imagery on there that they don't like. You can't introduce viruses through your photos, et cetera, et cetera. Then we get to section seven, which I thought was interesting because it's not terribly well-drafted for what it is that they actually do. It says, our services and the text, graphics, images, photographs, videos, illustrations, trademarks, trade names, page headers, button icons, scripts, service marks, logos, slogans, filters, user-generated filters, and other content contained therein. Collectively, the FaceApp content, you got to love lawyers. That's a heck of a list, right? What they mean here is the stuff that marks it as FaceApp, the way the app looks, their logo in the app, that kind of stuff. They're owned by or licensed to FaceApp and are protected under both United States and foreign laws. Their intellectual property is theirs. They know how to say this, except as explicitly stated in these terms, FaceApp and our licensors reserve all rights in and to our services and the FaceApp content. No matter what happens in this agreement, that stuff is ours. You can't Take the FaceApp logo because you used FaceApp one time. But they understand that because you are using FaceApp, you yourself need a license. And this is very normal in a software agreement. Hey, they need a license to your content in order to do something to it. You need a license to certain aspects of their app if they're gonna provide you a deliverable at the end of the day. So they say you are hereby granted a limited, non-exclusive, non-transferable, non-sublicensable, revocable license. And what is that license to? it's to access and use our services and FaceApp content for your own personal use. Now I look at that language and if you recall from the description of what FaceApp actually does is they actually say that you are supposed to be able to share the photos through social media sites or store them for personal use. It's interesting because social media is one of those kind of gray areas. If you post something on Twitter or Facebook, is that your personal use? It's going out to the public. Obviously they intend it to be. They want to market it this way. They have no problem with people putting up old age photos on Twitter or Instagram or where have you. But this actual license language isn't terribly well suited to that purpose. It should probably reference social media. However, such license is subject to these terms and does not include any right to sell, resell, or com- commercially use our services or face app content, just in case you were concerned about whether or not they even knew how to limit commercial use, they do. They know how to do it to protect themselves, but not your user content. Copy, reproduce, distribute, publicly perform, or publicly display face app content except as expressly permitted by us or our licensors. Okay, that's an interesting one. I can't. Copy, reproduce, distribute, publicly perform, or publicly display face app content. Uh, That's interesting. I, I can do it for my own personal use. I can use it for my own personal use, but I can't display it except as expressly permitted. Again, we've got the social media issue, and it's unclear how your licensors change things. I don't know what the terms that you've entered into with your licensors are. So whether or not your licensors expressly permit you to display face app content, I wouldn't be able to say. So again, that's kind of an oddball provision here. The next one I think is particularly odd, which says that you can't modify the FaceApp content, remove any proprietary uh, rights, notices, or markings, or otherwise make any derivative uses of our services or FaceApp content, except as expressly set forth in these terms. So the question then becomes, you've got a generated filter image, which is technically FaceApp content, and you've got it and you want to post it. You're allowed to post it for personal use, maybe, but can you make derivative uses of it? It appears not. That's prohibited, ex- except as expressly set forth in these terms. And one of the things that popped up in my head is one of the things that I've seen on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram is a number of people doing uh, additional iterations, taking the old photo that they got from FaceApp and running it again, making them older and older and older and older. And technically, I look at this legal language and I say, I think that's a prohibition uh, of the license, right? You've Given your photo, that's your user content. They've popped out a generated filter, that's their content. And if you try to make a derivative work of that content, which is essentially running through the Face app again, that's technically a violation of the license. Now it's not one that I think is likely to run up against any files, they like you doing this. So it's not really a problem, but it goes to show, if you wanna give them the benefit of the doubt, this set of terms of use, this set of terms and conditions isn't terribly well drafted. It isn't specifically aimed at what they actually do. And that's really part of the legal client communication process is sitting down with your client and saying, what is it that your app does? What is it that your software, your service, your product does so that we can tailor your terms of use to exactly what you need it to be for what it is that you want to happen in the real world? Now, you can see a lot of these companies have these terms of use and then they do whatever they want. They're always allowed to waive a uh, provision of their own terms of use as they would see fit. And they're clearly not going to have a problem with somebody that's running the photo again and again and again to get older and older and older because it's a good advertisement for their app. But on a legal basis, they didn't actually license it that way. And they frankly prohibit the use of it that way, which is just, in my opinion, a mistake. It also says you can't use bots. You can't do other stuff that's otherwise bad. And then they say, hey, you have to indemnify us for your use of the services and for your conduct in connection with the use of the services, as well as some other stuff here, which is normal-ish for a contract of adhesion. But note what it does. It says, if you violate the intellectual property of another, if you violate California's likeness laws by taking a picture of someone that you shouldn't otherwise be able to take a picture of, and then you give it to us, and then we put it on that billboard, well, you're going to indemnify us for when Scarlett Johansson sues us. And okay, that makes a lot of sense, except how you actually see it being used in reality is that people are putting celebrities' photos through. People are putting video game characters through or television characters through or whoever else it might be. They're putting it up. FaceApp gets these rights because the people that put them up, put them through the FaceApp site have essentially said, hey, I have the intellectual property rights to this. And FaceApp says, great, you gave us those intellectual property rights. We can now use them as we see fit. And if something bad happens to us, you have to indemnify us for it. That's going to be a, a long-term problem if FaceApp de- decides to be a, a bad actor. The other things here are fairly standard. They say they provide the service as is. That's very normal for a for a uh, free, free-to-play, free-to-use application. And then they say we are allowed to transfer and process your data wherever we might have a facility. That includes the United States, but it also includes other countries. And you see here their actual copyright notice location is Saint Petersburg, Russia which if I'm being honest, I think is one of the reasons why this became a large news story in the past couple days. If you're living under a rock, you probably haven't noticed, but we are currently in a kind of Russian panic in the United States discussing the implications of Russian involvement in the 2016 election, Russian involvement in the government in general, Russian involvement certainly overseas, but in general in the life of the United States. And so I think there is A certain amount of trepidation with anybody that might have a notice address that has St. Petersburg, Russia as the final line, and whether or not these people can be trusted. I don't know that it's necessarily the fact that these terms of use are written as broadly as they are, as problematically as they are, because I think, if I'm being honest... I can probably find 10 other cases where terms of use are written exactly this way. Heck, when I agreed to play Crash Bandicoot, I'm sure I accidentally sold my soul to Activision on page 17 because that's the way these contracts are written. But I think it's worth noting that it can, in fact, allow the data to be processed in Russia because, in general, where you're processing the data is going to afford you less protection. And so they're saying they can take this data, they can take these photos, they can move them all to Russia if they have a site there, which by all indications they do, and they can do what they will with it in Russia and not necessarily comport with the privacy laws that you might think you get the protection of in the United States. Whether or not that all plays out exactly in that fashion is a much, much more complicated discussion about interacting international laws and privacy laws and jurisdiction. But the basic idea is if they can move the data, they might be able to do more to the data than you might otherwise think they could. But note the following they say that governing law and venue for both arbitration and any disputes that can't be settled in arbitration are going to be in santa clara county california so they give every indication in these terms of use that they actually have a presence in california because you wouldn't set this location to be anywhere that you can't easily get to because it's again it's a contract of adhesion you get the right to say where it is you want to adjudicate these claims so you'd generally put it next to your headquarters so There are indications in these terms of use that where they are actually located for purposes of this application is probably Santa Clara County, California, and that they want to apply California law. So while they have that Russian address, while it might be owned by a parent, while it might have that Russian connection, it also appears to have a Californian connection, also appears very likely to have... Uh, A processing facility in California or in some of the places that process data in California so it's likely that that data actually is staying in the United States although nobody can say for certain without kind of breaking in and figuring out exactly what they're doing uh, with the data Uh, and then the last thing I just wanted to note on these terms and conditions the rest are fairly normal they include a lot of the stuff that Apple requires them to include is this final statement because we're going to also read uh, an article and a response they made to TechCrunch that talks about what it is that they do with their data after all of this happened, all these articles came out. And this is the provision that is absolutely standard in agreements, but that actually does adjust your understanding where your trust should be when you listen to the responses that they give. And that's that these terms constitute the entire agreement between you and FaceApp relating to your access to and use of our services. Totally normal sentence. It says, this is our entire agreement. It's not anything else. It's called in the legal profession a merger clause. And what it means is everything else that you've talked about, everything else that you might have otherwise heard from us while we were negotiating this, that has all been incorporated into this document. That's That has all been incorporated into the four corners of this, in this case, a browser window. Ordinarily, I would refer to the page and you can't use against us any of the things that didn't make their way into this document and that would include things that we otherwise said about the contract so if they say hey yeah we know we have those rights but we're not going to do x that probably isn't something that binds them it's a little bit unclear because there are issues of temporality the fact that they're saying it after the fact etc etc but for the most part you should consider Whatever they say now, hey, you should trust us. We know we have these rights, but we're not going to make a photo stock company. We're not going to sell your likeness to a billboard company, et cetera, et cetera. That doesn't really control the fact that they have the legal right to do so under this third paragraph of section five. Now, I promised you we'd look at the privacy policy a little bit. I will tell you the privacy policy is mostly normal with a few exceptions for breadth. Uh, We see here, they say that they are collecting user content. We know that. Analytics information, that's normal cookies, log files, device identifiers, and metadata, all basically normal for a company that's gonna process photos. They say that they can use it, in addition to the other reasons that they can use it, to provide personalized content and information to you and others, which could include online ads or other forms of marketing. They can use your login information, they can use the data that you give them to serve you up ads. Now, that's normal. It's not normal for, as we saw in their terms of use, for that to not be marked as an ad, to not be stated as promoted or sponsored. But it is normal for a free app to have this kind of right to collect that information and to serve you marketing. Section three gets a little bit more dicey. We will not rent or sell your information to third parties outside FaceApp without your consent, except as parties with whom we may share your information. I'm sorry, what? We will not rent or sell your information to third parties, except as parties with whom we may. Okay. Okay. And that's basically designed to say, except as otherwise stated herein, but it's not written terribly well, again, from a legal perspective. It says, We may share user content and your information with businesses that are legally part of the same group of companies that FaceApp is a part of. Okay. We're a big consolidated business group, and we can share it with those companies. That's its own issue if you don't know what FaceApp's corporate structure is. Maybe they do have an affiliation with a Russian company that you wouldn't want your photos to get out to. I don't know. But it's a normal provision in a contract like this to say, all right, we're one piece of a bigger puzzle. We can share it around the overall puzzle or that become part of that group. Okay, well, that's an interesting part in of itself. You could have a plan to have somebody else join the group and then move the photos out after the fact. And there's really no way that we could, at this point in time, know that that was going to be a bad thing before it happened, which is one of the reasons why the fact that we can't delete our user content when we want to is a problem in of itself. Affiliates may use this information too, Help provide, understand, and improve the service. Totally normal. We see language like that all over the Facebook terms. And affiliates own services by providing you with better and more relevant experiences. Okay. But these affiliates will honor the choices you make about who can see your photos. Great. So there's no problem there except for the fact that they've they've granted themselves a right to a license to anything that they want to do for any commercial purpose, which would seem to be something that is a choice that you make with who can see your photos unclear there but you can see how when you're not really talking to each other across two different documents you get these ambiguities and you get into a situation where okay let's say they did use it use your photo in a way that you didn't like do they have the right to do that if it's an affiliate doing it it's unclear and it would certainly be expensive to litigate we also may share your information as well as information from tools like cookies, log files, and device identifiers, and location data with third-party organizations that help us provide the service to you. Okay, that's normal again. You're talking about your cloud service providers. You're talking about your vendors that help get the service to you. And you can see they know in this sentence exactly how to say that, which is what we would have hoped to have seen in the license that we just talked about. We're giving you this license to help provide the service to you is very different than to use this media and any type of media that will ever be developed. Um, continuing on, our service providers will be given access to your information as is reasonably necessary to provide the services under reasonable confidentiality terms. Fantastic. We may also share certain information such as cookie data with third-party advertising partners. Again, targeting advertising. We may remove parts of data that can identify you and share anonymized, I can never get that word right, anonymous data with other parties. We may also combine your information with other information in a way that is no longer associated with you and share that aggregated information. Again, that's normal for privacy uh, policies, privacy laws to say, all right, you can't have personally identifiable information out there. We can choose to uh, make it anonymous and put it in a group of information that gets out there so that nobody can identify you. But again, note that these aren't shells. These are we mays. Sure, they could make it anonymous, but they don't have to because as we saw in the terms of use, you've already said that they can use your personally identifiable information even if it identifies you. So this is uh, a bit differently written than I might expect in a privacy policy, which would say, yes, we will make it anonymous. This says, hey, we may. Who knows? Parties with whom you may choose to share your user content. Any information or content that you voluntarily process with the service becomes available to the FaceApp anonymously. So Wait parties with whom you may choose to share your user content, anything you share with FaceApp becomes available to FaceApp. You can't say that they can't use it in the future. It's always theirs. If we sell or otherwise transfer part or the whole of the FaceApp or of our assets to another organization, if they sell the company, your information such as user content and any other information collected through the service may be among the items sold or transferred. This perpetual license that you gave to us can entirely become the license that is held by another party. That is perhaps normal for a terms of use like this, but when combined with the issue with the commercial purposes provision that we talked about, with the advertising provisions that we talked about, with some of the other stuff we talked about, that becomes a problem. So we've got affiliates that can come into the group that we don't know about. We've got buyers that can purchase all of the assets of the company that we don't know about, and they will all get this perpetual license to a group of photos for basically any purpose that they want to use it for. And then we see they can they can... Use the information collected and store it and process it in the United States or any other country in which FaceApp, its affiliates or service providers maintains facilities, which we talked about in the terms of use, meaning that they can use your photos, they can t- send that data out to any other country in the world uh, that where they have facilities and they can process it there and generally try to get out from under a lot of the privacy protection laws uh, that might otherwise protect you if you're in the United States or if you're in Europe. And that's really what I think a lot of people are reacting to. That's a lot of the reason why there are so many news stories. Again, I think it's also because you see the word Russia and there has been a lot of drama uh, kind of drummed up about Russia and what it's doing with data. We saw a lot of that in the Mueller report and elsewhere. And so I think this is a situation where it's kind of a perfect storm where you've got people that are looking at some of these terms of use for the first time reacting very strongly to a number of things that maybe they shouldn't react strongly to, and basically ignoring some of the stuff that really is unusual for terms of use, which is that commercial purpose section. We see here a TechCrunch article that says FaceApp responds to privacy concerns. They summarize their comments, and I will link this in the description, but I want to get straight to the primary source. Their statement from FaceApp says, We are receiving a lot of inquiries regarding our privacy policy, and therefore would like to provide a few points that explain the basics. FaceApp performs most of the photo processing in the cloud. We would expect that. It's using AI, it's using algorithms. We only upload a photo selected by a user for editing. We never transfer any other images from the phone to the cloud, which makes sense. Some people were concerned that when you said you wanted a FaceApp photo uh, to be filtered and make yourself, yourself look old, that FaceApp was given access to the full gallery of your photos. They wouldn't have the right to that from everything that we've seen in the terms of use. So it makes sense that they would say that they're not doing that. We might store an uploaded photo in the cloud. The main reason for that is performance and traffic. We want to make sure that the user doesn't upload the photo repeatedly for every edit operation. Most images are deleted from our servers within 48 hours from the upload date. And that may well be how they're operating. They don't necessarily want a collection of every random person that uses the Face app, but they have the right to do so legally. So the fact that they don't do that right now is somewhat de minimis protection for what they might choose to do tomorrow. And you're taking it on faith that this is exactly what is happening right now. Now. The argument that they make is perfectly a valid one. Hey, we want to keep it for a little while to make sure that our servers don't get overloaded, to make sure that you're not uploading the same photo 18 times, which if you're familiar with technology is something that I've been known to do from time to time is hit that same button a number of times if it doesn't look like it's working. And they want to make sure that it doesn't get uh, uh, overloaded on their technology side. But it doesn't mean that they have to do that. And certainly we've seen in their terms of use that they have the right to a perpetual license to a photo. We accept requests from users for moving all their data from our servers. Okay, great. It doesn't say that in your terms of use. How do you do that? Our support team is currently overloaded, but these requests have our priority. For the fastest processing, we recommend sending the the requests from the FaceApp mobile app using settings, support, report a bug with the word privacy in the subject line. We are working on a better UI for that. I, I would hope so. That, that doesn't actually look like you can delete your user content from their servers or elsewise. That looks like a workaround that says, hey, I'm serious about this QA at FaceApp. Please take me seriously or there's going to be problems. Um, so they definitely need a better UI for that. But again, even if they provide that UI for that, then they really don't have to necessarily uh, honor it. Uh, they have a privacy policy that says that they will listen to who you share your application, your content uh, with. But they also say that they everything that you share with FaceApp is automatically fully shared with FaceApp, and that you give them a perpetual license to it. So, this is one of those situations where I think this is a stopgap, and I think they might be working on a UI for this. Uh, but certainly, it would be a bigger problem for them if they do want to collect these photos and they want to use them for some end that would not uh, make other people happy. That maybe you see this slowly developed, if at all because once people actually ask for it to be deleted, you say you're going to delete it, you probably have a bigger problem than just your terms of use if you decide not to delete it. Number four, all face app features are available without logging in, and you can log in only from the settings screen. As a result, 99% of users don't log in. Therefore, we don't have access to any data that could identify a person. Somewhat true. If they don't log in, it would seem that you don't have your username, you don't have your name, you don't have your address, you don't have things like that. You do have their face, which... I would argue is probably the best thing for identifying a person in most instances. And you probably have some of the log information, the device identifiers and things like that, you know, where they asked for it from. So you know a person with this face is calling you from North Carolina to do this filtering. So you can probably get pretty close to identifying a person without a login. So I don't know that this is actually the protection that you need when we're talking about a face app. Number five, we don't sell or share any user data with any third parties you don't, you don't share any user data with any third parties, then there's an awful lot of language that you included in your privacy policy that was unnecessary, where it says you may share certain information such as cookie data with third-party advertising partners, or any information or content that you voluntarily process with the service becomes available to the FaceApp anonymously and we can sell ourselves to another party, or anything along those lines that we can use any of your data and sharing of your information under their sharing of your information section. The fact that they don't doesn't mean that they can't. And so I find this answer in particular to be disingenuous. And people need to understand when they see an answer like this, it doesn't change anything about what's in the actual terms of use and what's in the actual privacy policy. Again, because of that merger clause that we talked about earlier. Number six, even though the core R&D team is located in Russia, the user data is not transferred to Russia. Okay, it's not today, It could be tomorrow because they say their core R&D team is located in Russia and they reserve the right to process the data wherever they have a site facility. So it certainly could be sent to Russia tomorrow if they so chose. But right now, it seems most likely that the user data is sent to wherever the cloud servers are, which I would be willing to bet is Santa Clara, California. And they're probably using Google or Amazon or whoever. And they're using that to, to serve the algorithm and the artificial intelligence on the photos. And then they're popping them back to the user's phone or their, the user's computer. And so it probably doesn't necessarily go to Russia, but it doesn't mean that it couldn't. So we've got a situation here where in all likelihood, the FaceApp service as it stands today is not designed for nefarious ends. It's not designed to steal your photos and make a photo stock company. It's not designed to steal your photos and sell them to billboards or Activision or Electronic Arts or Marvel or whoever else you might fear your photos would wind up in the hands of. But by virtue of the breadth that they have put in their terms of use, the breadth that they have put into their privacy policy, they've basically reserved the right to change their business model once they have enough photos to anything that they would want in the future. Any commercial purpose without any definition. And that to me is something that is actually justified, in terms of internet outrage, in terms of internet concern. It is entirely justified to be concerned with terms like that. I do think if you are concerned with terms like that in the FaceApp terms of use, it probably behooves you to turn your attention to the other terms of service and terms of use that you've otherwise entered into with Twitter, with Facebook, with Instagram, with anyone else that you might use, various forums can otherwise use your user content and commercialize it probably without your knowledge because you entered into terms of use when you signed up for that forum that you didn't fully read. I recommend if this causes you a lot of heartburn, one to not use the app absolutely and to maybe go through that policy the the process that we saw in the TechCrunch article to send them a bug report with the word privacy in the subject line saying please delete my stuff. But if it really bothers you, I think that you Definitely would behoove you to check out the terms of use and the terms of service for these other services and otherwise to check out virtual legality, where we go over a handful of these for Facebook, for Twitter, for Google, uh, and for some other places, Kickstarter, uh, where we have gone over the terms of use. We've tried to break them down so that we can afford a little bit better understanding of the rights and obligations that people have, the protections that they do or most likely don't have because they are contracts of adhesion, and to really help inform yourself about what you really should be jumping at and what shadows you don't necessarily need to be jumping at. And I hope this was helpful to you. If this is your first episode of Virtual Legality, please like it, please do subscribe to the channel. We are talking about these kinds of things all the time. Earlier this week, I think maybe even yesterday, we talked about the question about whether Ubisoft is exploiting its artists by having a hit-record crowdsourcing, essentially prize competition for $20,000, whether Kickstarter is within its rights to kick off a fully funded campaign within three days of finishing, uh, the social media terms and the application of CDA Section 230, a whole bunch of fun stuff where we dive deep into the business and law, a lot of the video game industry, a lot of the software and tech industries. Uh, and we have these conversations, hopefully on a light basis, on, on one that you can listen to on a podcast or watch on youtube and and get something out of otherwise if you watch this on youtube thank you so much for watching i really do appreciate it please share it around if you think someone else would find this interesting if you listen to it on a podcast thank you so much for listening i appreciate that as well and if you listen to it on a podcast service if you could review it on that podcast service maybe leave a comment that does a lot of good does does a lot of help to really broaden virtual legalities appeal and get more people talking in the comments to these videos and having those discussions that i really love to have And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality.